Welcome to Bootstrappers, a program designed to bring you up-to-the-minute ideas and concepts to understand what it takes to succeed in business and life. Each week, we'll bring you guests and ideas you can't find anywhere else. Bootstrappers is a production of Anaquim LLC. Now let's lace up those business boots and join Bootstrappers with Jeremy and Gwen Aspen. Welcome to this episode of Bootstrappers. I'm your host, Jeremy Aspen, president of Wistar Group here in Omaha. This is my spouse, Gwen Aspen. She's the president of Anaquim. Here at Bootstrappers, we talk to successful entrepreneurs, thought leaders, community leaders about what they've learned through the trials and tribulations of running organizations, and we help apply it to our industry of residential property management and life generally. The concepts, uh, the concepts and tips that are shared on Bootstrappers apply to anyone starting a business, working at a business, or aspiring entrepreneurs, and just life. So let's get hungry, let's break some things, and this is Bootstrappers. Today, we're here with Peter Fink. Peter is uh, actually a buddy of mine. Uh, he's the prez of Certified Transmission, uh, according to your LinkedIn profile, which uh, <laughs> short for president, <laughs> it's the, it's the <laughs> informal... <laughs> That was the informal way. Uh, now, um, uh, okay, so if you're not, um, uh, if you aren't here from the Omaha area, you may not have heard of uh, uh, Certified Transmission, but if you're here in Omaha, you most certainly have. It's a uh, household name. Uh, Peter's company, Certified Transmission, is uh, annual sales of about $100 million uh, per year. So... That's Peter, and um, what's most interesting to me and to you and, and our viewers, I think, listeners, is that Peter transformed an industry. Uh, that's what I really want to get into. I mean, to to change an industry in such a is such a big deal, and something very few of us get a chance to ever uh, actually do. Uh, what does it look like? Uh, how do you know if it's even a possibility? And there's just no playbook when it comes to paradigm shifts. Uh, and to top it off, <clears throat> Peter's a great guy. Uh, you don't think of Peter when you think of, uh, you know, people like Peter when you think of industry giants, uh, but you'll see what I mean when you meet him. And, and Peter doesn't know this, but he's, I also would consider him uh, one of the people I admire most in business, uh, but also life. He's a businessman, he's a family man, pilot, adventurer, he's a pilot. He's a pilot. Means he's <laughs> that really brilliant. Excited. <laughs> Pretty smart guy. Uh, he's a car guy. Holy shit, is he a car guy? Um, and uh, he's one of those guys that just sucks the life, uh, sucks the marrow out of life. Uh, so, without further ado, I want to introduce to you Peter Fink. Thanks for joining us, yeah, Peter. Yeah, we are wow. so. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's you. That's you, man. Oh, that's what it's like when everyone else looks at you, when they're looking at you. Yeah, and we're so excited out. to have you on the show. Yeah, really are. Um, so I, Peter and I, we've known each other for a couple of years. I've known a little bit about his company and whatnot. Um, and it is a really fun story, not just the story about the company, but also uh, just you know how it all came about. So I kind of want to start there. I mean, you're from Omaha. I don't know if we got enough time. I suppose that. not. We'll do the we'll do the cliff notes, which is what I prefer to read anyway. All right. What? So you were born in Omaha. Oh yeah. And born, then born and raised. Yeah. And went to school. Went to Creighton Prep High School. Didn't go to college. Okay. I want to ask about that. And then, um, so you start up a business. 
or, or how do you get into transmissions? Because on your LinkedIn profile, you've been doing this business for 41, 41 years. years. This is 41 years this year. So yep. that means you were, yeah, because you're only about, you're pretty young. Yeah, starting out. Yep. Well, how it started is uh, going to Creighton Prep, and uh, had a, I bought a hot rod uh, car when I was 16 years old. Okay. Okay. Uh, Which one? Uh, well, you know, I didn't actually get the car I wanted. Okay, 100. percent Okay, uh, the first car I tried to show my dad when I was 16. Usually, you know, teenagers have to get the okay from the parents or whatever and stuff. And showed this purple Challenger 426 Hemi to my dad. Okay, 1970. I brought that thing home and he said, uh, you're not buying a 426 Hemi Challenger. And I go, well, yeah, well, well, I want this is what I want. No, you ain't buying a plum crazy purple Challenger. Okay. <laughs> so the next car was a 429 Boss Mustang, red one. Oh. No, orange one, orange one, okay. And a Boss Mustang? Yeah, 429. How did you afford it? Hold on a second, how did you afford this? You're well, I was working since I was 10 years old. Okay, okay, okay. so you had money saved, you yeah, were paying it, for it? Oh yeah, I was paying for it, and that's the part I didn't understand. Dad said, no, you can't buy that, and I go, it's my money, okay? No, you ain't getting that. So I had to settle for a 1970 Formula 400 Firebird. Oh. Okay. And uh, it ran good. Still it ran awesome, good. Man. I still own it today. Never sold it. Oh. And um, it was a four-speed. And since it ran good, you know what happens when it, things run good? You find a way to break it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just got 1962 uh, Willys. Oh, well, you Every, break it a lot. Oh, too. it's broken. That thing is a, that's a giant money pit. Oh, yeah. We can't even oh, yeah. talk about oh, yeah. that thing yeah, anymore. That was probably the same as this Firebird. It wasn't only because I was beating the heck out of it, okay, and stuff, you know. But since, uh, you know what I blew up the most of? Transmissions. <laughs> oh, did you? Because you're going balls you know, to the walls. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and okay. buying, buying the car, I didn't have a whole lot of money to pay anyone to work on it. So, kind of had to learn how to do it on okay. my own. So, that's how I kind of started and then went to trade school. And stuff. Oh, you went so, to trade school? Oh, yeah. Okay. I did go to trade school. Okay. And, and specifically for transmissions? No, it was for automotive. It was Wichita Automotive uh, down in Wichita, Kansas. And uh, literally, a lot of great things came about because of that. That's how I really got into transmissions. Uh, the first class I got stuck into was uh, transmissions, and I hated transmissions. Oh, the miserable pieces of junk. <laughs> I'll tell you what. And if you think people can't make a difference in uh, young people's lives or any people's lives, okay, uh, this instructor, I don't know what he's seen in me, but he rode me like there was no tomorrow, and he got me to love transmissions, okay, and stuff. Really? And I was actually the last class he taught, okay, and then he uh, opened up a transmission shop, okay, and stuff. And so... Uh, he got me to love transmissions. Like I said, I hated those things. I blew up transmissions like they were right and left. Those are miserable pieces of junk, okay, as far as I was concerned. And he got me my first job as a transmission guy at a dealership. And so was I was that here to, in Omaha? No, down in Wichita. Oh, okay? okay. So I was going to school in the morning from seven to noon and then worked at the dealership from one to six. Then in the night I worked at the transmission shop for him, okay? For I did that for about eighteen months to learn transmissions, okay, and stuff. And that's right when front wheel drive was coming out. Today, everyone's got front-wheel drive, but back then, nobody wanted to work on them. Well, I was the dumb 18-year-old kid, didn't know any different. I said, I'll do it. Okay. And so they sent me to Detroit and learned the front-wheel drives mm. and everything. They sent Price you to... Okay. Okay. So bin. this was an o, uh, uh, an OEM kind of shop? Yes. Okay. Yes. At the dealership. I was at the dealership. Right. Okay. 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 So OEM training <laughs> and stuff. And then when I graduated, I said, I'm ready to go full-time to work at the dealership. 
and luckily they didn't match my offer okay you know i think i started out for like about three and a quarter an hour okay working mm -hmm. and they after about 18 months i was up to seven bucks an hour okay, okay. and uh, a mechanic pay was like 11 or 12 and i said okay transmission work is a mechanic pay i want 11 bucks an hour like everybody else out well, we can't pay you that. You're only 19 years old. And I go, well, what's my age got to do with it? Okay. I'm worth it. I'm the only guy doing all the front wheel drives. You sent me to Detroit. I'm mm -hmm. doing them for four dealerships. And they said, no, nope, we'll give you eight. And I said, well, if you don't give me 11, I'm going to pack my toolbox and leave today. So they didn't pay me. I went to go work full time for the transmission shop. And so then when I did that, uh, when I was working for them at night, I only had to build them on the table or the bench we call it okay the transmission was already removed from the car and so uh no problem i took them apart rebuild them put them back together and then uh when i went to work for him full-time he wanted me to start pulling them out of cars and putting them in no problem i did that at school i did that at the dealership the only difference is he didn't own a lift uh oh i had to do it on my back we had to jack it up put jack stands underneath it, get on a creeper, and pull the transmission out. And I did that for about three weeks. And I <laughs> talked to him and I go, okay, Don, I said, Don, mm, I only know of a couple things you do on your back and this ain't one of them, okay? <laughs> and so, you know, I said, you gotta buy me a lift. He said, I ain't buying you a lift. And he said, I've done it for 20 years, you'll get better at it. I said, it takes me longer to get the car up than it does get the transmission out. I said, no, you don't buy me a lift. I'm moving back to Omaha and open my own transmission shop. So uh, uh, he didn't buy a lift and so I moved to Omaha and I had so a thousand bucks. So it worked out better. Uh, yeah, I had my toolbox, a thousand dollars and a $900 rent payment due the next month. So kind of had to get to work. Did it have a lift in it? It had two lifts. <laughs> okay, oh, so. You yeah. had a thousand dollars saved, which in today's dollars is three thousand. Whatever, like, it's not a lot. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah. And you had uh, the lifts. Okay, it had the lifts. Okay, so that's, so that's how I kind of got started in this crazy business. And so originally, it was was it called Certified Transmissions? You know what? My instructor Don called his business Certified Transmissions, and so when I we had a great relationship and still did till he died, okay, or whatever. Matter of fact, he came to Omaha and I hired him for one year to train some of my guys because he was cool. so good, okay, and different things. And so, uh, and they still work for me. A lot of those people, I mean, they still know him from 25, Back 30 then. years ago, okay, and stuff. And uh, you know, he. Uh, I forgot. But what we were part. talking about the certified transmission, the name of it. Oh, yeah. He's, he called it certified transmission. So I asked him, could I? I li really love the name. And I said, I'd love to do, you know, call my place certified. He said, sure, go ahead. Well, he never registered or anything. As soon as I knew a little bit more about business, then I registered the name, uh, of course, in the state of Nebraska and then nationally also and trademarked it. Okay. And stuff. You, you didn't pull the McDonald's story, did you? Or you went back to the Absolutely hometown? Not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. You guys I had think, it better. I borrowed him some money. And I think I never got paid back. Okay. Oh, good. That's okay. okay. That, it's yeah, all good. It's yeah. all good. Nope. I have no, I owe everything to him. And truthfully, I had a lot of, I'd say, if things would have really went the other way, probably wouldn't be sitting here today. Okay. You know, if they would have gave me that raise, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if I didn't get Don as a teacher, uh, you know, in school. Okay. And like I said, oh my God, what can teachers and mentors make a difference in people's lives? It's incredible. If okay? you don't, I mean, I'm a, I'm a living proof of that. Okay. And it's nerve. Like if someone ever asked me like, what would you do if you went back in time? What would you change? 
I get fearful. I don't think I would change a thing. As many bad things as may have happened, I'm not taking any of it back because right. it all led to right. my Same. wife. Well, and that's <laughs> me being able to be married to her. Today. The other crazy thing was uh, you'd bring up leading to your wife. Well, when I worked at that dealership, I, the service manager, the head guy, he used to drag race. Well, that's what got me into this crazy thing was drag racing my Firebird that I got. And so, oh. Hey, weekends, I ain't doing anything. I'll work for you. I mean, on your pit crew for free, okay? And so we traveled the country and blah, blah, blah. So on the weekends when we weren't out racing, I was over at his house on the weekends working on the race car with him. And so I look out the garage and go, who's that blonde out there? Okay. And he goes, I don't know. I said, well, I want to know. Okay. <laughs> well, to make a short, long story short, you know, 37, 38 years later, she's, she's still got the life. ring on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So, that- I mean, Wichita on that, that green firebird that I got, and I don't even like the color green. Okay. Um, you know, it's responsible for everything I got. I mean, from my business to That's my wife, good. to school, to everything. Did I ever okay. tell you the story about how the firebird got its hood? No. Okay, so we can tell. Well, I'll tell you really quickly. It's kind of a cool story. So Gwen's uh, grandfather, he was actually the chief engineer of Pontiac with um. Oh yeah. With yeah, DeLorean. Told me that. Yeah. So uh, one day, he and John DeLorean are traveling down to Mexico. Well, they're tra- through Tucson because uh, that's where a lot of the assembly right is. So they're coming through the Tucson, Arizona airport, and they're at the time trying to figure out how are we going to make this car? Or how are we going to make this car look different? How are we going to make this a distinguished um, vehicle? So, Bill is walking through the airport. That's my grandfather. That's her grandpa, sorry. And he sees those those wooden like little statues of Indian of a, the Phoenix or whatever it is. Right. So they're walking through and one of them looks like the hood of a car. Wow. So and since it's on their mind, that's what they're trying to do. Right. He picks it up, he buys it for a dollar 19. He takes it up to the engineers, the uh, I don't know, the paint whatever up there in yeah. Detroit. He says, "Put that on the hood." And that's how the Pontiac Firebird got wow. its head. Isn't that cool? It is cool. It is cool. <laughs> um, well, right here, transmissions. You, so you're in your first shop. Yep. Um, it's your shop. You've right. got two lifts, and apparently things are going well enough to got to have a second shop. Yep. Well, how did I, that happen? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I had friends that were a lot older than me, always in high school and everything else. And one of my good friends was an attorney, and he goes. He's seen me get fairly growing pretty quick at the store, and he goes, uh, what about this Amco? Okay, this other business, obviously, and they're a franchise, and he said, do you think you can do that? And I said, well, I don't know how to do it, okay, but I mean, you know, I know how to build transmissions. And he said, well, I think you can probably look at that, but he goes, uh, you got to open a second one to prove that the concept will work, okay? Is that Amco, Amco? A, or double AMCO? Uh-uh. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I got it. Okay. That was you. No, 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 no. That's, okay, it was no, that okay. Was a competitor. Okay. okay, but they franchised and you know very successful across the country. You know, had seven hundred uh, franchisees, okay, or whatever, and things like this. And so he goes, "You think you can do that?" And I go, "Well, I think I can run shops, okay, and I don't know anything about franchising, okay. You know, I was about twenty-one years old then, okay. You know, and stuff. Don't and, know uh, much about anything except cars. Yeah, and- yeah." Um, um, yeah, cars, uh, women, girls, <laughs> women. okay, uh, whatever, okay. Chasing so those, yeah. Sure. Oh, you gotta have the, you have to have the cars well, so you can chase I still them. Only know, okay. I know to make the wife happy. That's what I know. Okay. okay. So. All right. All right. Another subject. Okay. So, all right. Um, so he said, "Well, if you're going to try to do this, you got to open up another shop somewhere else." And so 
I go, what do you mean? He, I, he goes, I said, in Omaha? He goes, no. He said, it's got to be further away because in Omaha, that wouldn't prove that your system would work or whatever. So I said, Lincoln? Lincoln, Nebraska? He goes, yeah, that'll work. So <laughs> I go down there and I look for a building one weekend and rented another building. Okay. And this is after a thorough market study. Oh, yeah. yeah. Totally. You know, got a building, okay, hired some people put in what we started to do, how I was running my first one and implemented it. And uh, interesting thing happened, okay, when I did that. It was successful within about six months or maybe even a little quicker. It was right away, so I go to my attorney and I said, okay, I did it, it's making money. Hey, uh, can we franchise? Okay, <laughs> you know, it goes, oh, that didn't prove nothing. You're too close to Omaha, your name carried and stuff. I go, my name, I just started. Nobody even knows who I am, okay, or certified transmissions. And he goes, it was too close, okay, and stuff. And so he said, you got to open up the third one. And I go, okay. So I, he said, farther away. And I said, Kansas City? And he goes, yeah, okay, that'll work. I Again, said, after thorough market yeah. studies. And I was flying yeah. at that time. I was a pilot. Oh, okay, so, you know, at 21. My, yeah, I flew down there with my little plane, my uh, Cherokee, okay, and flew around the neighborhoods, okay. Yeah, that looks pretty good, so, you know. Uh, um, That's what you did? Yeah. And seriously. ever since then, the plane's been a tax write-off. Uh, well, That's, it got sold. That <laughs> oh, was a okay, long right. time ago, but, you know, regardless, okay. So, opened up a third shop. Well underestimated marketing okay lincoln was easy to market because a smaller town than omaha didn't cost so much omaha you know cost quite a bit go to kansas city three times the size of omaha guess what the advertising bills are three times the size yeah at least if not Wait, more yes, okay let me do that math yeah okay and so uh so when you were doing this, were you writing processes and procedures? Was it formalized like that? Or were you just going there, showing people how to do things? You know and... why people become technicians? Because we don't like to read or write or write <laughs> stuff down? No. <laughs> Absolutely It was not. all right here. Yeah. That, unfortunately. Okay. And stuff. That is a great weakness of mine. Okay. And stuff. But Which I think you've compensated for with... Well, possibly. Okay. okay. All, right. all right. We're going to find we'll out. Try to work on it. Yeah. Okay. And stuff. And so... Uh, Open the third shop, but oh my God, can't afford advertising. So I said, if I'm going to even stand a chance down here, I got to open a fourth shop <laughs> in Kansas City. Oh, in and Kansas so you City. didn't back down. You're yeah. like, ooh, oh, yeah, because no, you had to have, you could use the same marketing dollars for two shops. Right. Okay, and gotcha. So I said, okay, so we opened another one six months later, real quick, because like I said, I couldn't afford it. So then, uh, yeah, to make sense, open another shop when you can't afford <laughs> right, it. Right, okay. okay, makes sense. You know, so um, got that going and then realized, okay, a new snag that came about was uh, it was hard to have the same quality at every location. Mm. Okay, and because it that's was, when your standardization. That's when standardization really started kicking. It was I was looking at it even at the third shop already and realizing it. And what would happen is some of the other facilities that I wasn't at, okay, they would buy cheaper parts, mm. okay, and cut corners, okay, and stuff, and not put the quality and buy the best parts that money can buy and things like this. Made them profitable, but your warranty rate goes through the roof, okay, mm. and Later. your customer satisfaction obviously goes out the window also, okay. You know, people don't believe you get what you pay for, okay. Uh, Oh I God. totally believe I that. I mean, yeah. sometimes you can get taken advantage of, okay? Don't get me wrong, okay? And that's not what we're talking about. But do you really think a part that costs $500 and then there's a knockoff that costs $50 is the same quality yeah, no. part? They're totally they're, different metal alloys, I'm well, sure. Everything, everything. And it isn't about parts. It's about anything you buy, okay? Do you really think 
you know, there's a reason something costs a lot more. It's not the same. People will try to pretend they're the same, but they're not. Okay. Anything to do with people? Like uh, people, were they all trained exactly the well, same? Well, they or? were fairly trained the same, okay. okay? We were pretty involved there, okay, and had the same training and things like this and used the same seminars and books and things, okay? So that wasn't as much of a factor. Uh, it was really the quality of parts, okay, and stuff, all right? And so then uh, when I realized this, I said, okay, if we're gonna be more successful, I've got to stop and bring in the, to go to what I'd call a centralized rebuilding where I bring all the rebuilders in one facility, ah. standardize it, okay, ah, have okay. cross training, and we all use the same parts and then distribute it to the stores because truthfully, if you think about it, our business is actually two, two kinds of businesses. One is manufacturing or remanufacturing the transmission, okay, where you need the quality and the standards and the quality parts. The second is, taking care of the customer okay and taking the removing the transmission out of the car and putting it back in okay two separate deals but before they were combined into one business model under one roof okay so i said okay we're going to separate this that way the box which a lot of times call a transmission the box, the box okay. okay because you can take it out of the car and it's a standalone piece is standardized okay we're going to take that that widget okay and won't have factors of what's in it you know the quality we can test it we buy the best parts all that kind of stuff and now all people have to do is take them in and out okay and stuff so that opened the model for me to open more retail stores so i have a question about this yep. the um when you have transmissions you have 4g are they all totally different or are they pretty much the same great question and i do get that question quite a bit in essence they work the same by theory of operation, but they are completely different. You can't take a GM, put it in a Ford or a Ford, mm -hmm. or even the parts interchange or any of that kind of stuff, okay? What I mean is hydraulic works the same mm -hmm. if it's in brakes or transmissions or in the space shuttle, okay? Electricity works the same in a Volkswagen as it does a Yugo, as it does a Mercedes, okay? It follows the same uh, uh, principle of operations, okay? But the transmissions themselves are all very unique. So this is kind of like our, industry residential property management because when we do turns people think you can't standardize it because each house is different mm, and everything right. you know the yeah. appliances right. are different right. everything's different but what was interesting about what you did is you took I'm sure they thought the same thing oh, right when you were 100%. getting started like oh you can't standardize this you couldn't do it all the same way in a centralized location Fords are different than GMs and you still were able to find a way right. to create standardization despite the fact that you're remaking uh, transmissions that are totally, not totally, but somewhat different. Yes. And you're, is it just Ford and Chevy? No, we do every make and model. I, I mean, we work on Mercedes, Volkswagens, I mean, uh, Toyotas, Hondas, Acras, it don't matter, GM, Ford, Chrysler. So then you're assembling, well, actually, so I, this is driving me nuts. There's a difference between remanufactured and rebuilt, which I think is actually pertinent. It sounds like before you were rebuilding, and you brought it centralized and you remanufactured. That or do would I? be correct. That okay. would be correct. That's what I would say too. Rebuilding, a lot of people interchange it and think it's a play on words, okay? And it really isn't. Rebuilding is you take something apart, figure out what's wrong with it, and you fix it and put it back together. You snap a piece in. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, maybe more than one piece, but yeah, basically. When you remanufacture it, you're basically inspecting and bringing all the pieces up to the same quality level, okay, and stuff. And so that's what the difference is in remanufactured. Remanufactured is always going to be better than a rebuilt. So if a transmission's got a 
broken piece. Uh, do you get that from the original manufacturer for a while? And, and, and then how, because at some point Ford is gonna stop producing parts, right? So then do you, I guess I'm transitioning yeah. a little bit. So yeah. you, you're, you've centralized everything. Um, and that, if I'm putting words in your mouth, is kind of became its own beast, right? And well, it became its own beast because we can control the quality and put out a much better quality and not rebuild stuff, which is just repaired like we did at the store. And, you know, the other problem is when you went to hire somebody, okay, and the people factor that we talk about, let's be realistic, uh, all businesses depend upon people, okay, and stuff. And, you know, we could hire somebody, and this guy was really good on a GM product, but when a Ford came in, he wasn't as good because maybe he didn't like them, okay, or whatever the case may yeah. be. Do you think that customer really got the best transmission money could buy? Okay, no, okay, the simple answer is no, okay? Oh, and so, you know, all that factor goes out the window now, okay, because you're only as good as your people, okay, and stuff, all right? Well, the guys, when we centralize, they could specialize now, okay? So literally, mm. we got people doing Fords, and we got people doing GMs, Hondas, not that they're not cross-trained in other makes and models, but they specialize in that family of transmissions, okay? Gotcha. doesn't have to be necessarily a GM. They might be doing one GM, one Toyota, one Volkswagen, but they specialize in that model of transmission. Okay? So did you say no to any rebuilding and you just went straight to remanufacturing because you just, you were focused on quality? Once we opened up the centralized rebuilding, that is correct. We did not do what we call sometimes uh, people... I call them patch jobs, okay? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, right. people just took it apart, fixed what's wrong, mm -hmm. put it back in. You know, and I'm not about an advocate for more laws. Please don't take it. But there is no laws or standards what constitutes repaired, rebuilt, remanufactured, okay, and stuff. It's really upon what your company. Now, California said, okay, you had to put in this, 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 a couple minimal pieces, okay? That doesn't make it a good transmission or a good engine or a good whatever, okay? You couldn't, you couldn't legislate for it, but I mean, it's up to the com the quality of that company and where do you want to come in? You want to come in as the quality leader or you mm -hmm. want to be known as the lowest price you can get and make it wiggle again. But you had to say <laughs> no to that business. Was that hard to say no to the, the business of what? Uh, it of is, the, it is. What, was course, that a strategic if, decision at that point? Of course it is. I mean, because, you know, if you don't have enough of the other work, it's hard to say no, okay, mm -hmm. and stuff. But like a lot of things in businesses, you have to decide what you want to become. You can't be the master to all things. You can't please everybody, okay? No, you know, it's hard enough to please just one person. Okay, there That's you go, okay, <laughs> I won't go there. All right. You guys. All right, all right. All right. I can't uh, take them anywhere, Peter. But you know, anytime you try to please everybody, basically you end up pleasing nobody, okay? Right. And so you have to, if you want, I feel if you want to be successful, you have to pick what you want to be good at, become good at it, be known for that, and there's things that are going to fall to the wayside, okay, that don't fit that model, you probably shouldn't do it, okay? At least mm -hmm. I think that, at right. least that's what I think, okay, so. So what we were just talking about is that Peter had this idea which ends up, tell me if I'm <clears throat> pushing this too hard, but it ends up changing the industry to some extent, right? The centralizing. To some extent, it, yes, definitely. Uh, there was some people, there was one company that did it a little bit before, but they didn't own their own retail stores, okay, and stuff, okay. and they just supplied them to other uh, vendors, okay, and oh, stuff, all right? So if you have that that idea that you had, uh, when you did the, central, uh, the centralizing of the 
putting everything together, refinning your matching. Did you actually see your warranties go down? Like, was it a oh, stark yes. difference? Oh, yes. So it pays for itself. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's what I would have yes. imagined. That, yes. Okay. Yes. And that's like the genius of that. Um, the distributorship. So at some point, um, I mean, the size of the company you are, $100 million, and you have 14, uh, were the agencies? Shops. 14 you have 14 shops. shops. Yeah, retail So I'm guessing, and I, and I also know this, that you went from just uh, so, uh, sourcing from your own distributorship or your own manufacturing facility to a distributorship model. Yep. So how'd that come about? All right. All right. Yeah, I want to. Well, kept going <laughs> from the four stores after the centralized got that going and realized it's the way. So okay, I want to open some more stores, and then we wanted to still was thinking about the franchising. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, as I looked into it, now I'm a little smarter, okay, and met a few more people, and you know, I've never met a franchisee or a franchisor that really liked each other, okay? And I said, oh my ah. gosh, there's gotta be a better way. And both my sisters are attorneys, and uh, you know, I mean, I looked at it, unless you become Subway, McDonald's, something like this, the franchisor, all you got is a lot of headaches, okay? And it seems like a lot of pissed off people that don't like working together mm. with. And so I said, I have to come up with a better model or a different model. So basically I came up with a distributors. And so I found uh, uh, people around the country that uh, wanted to emulate or duplicate what I did in Omaha and Kansas City. And so uh, I decided to start setting up distributors to help them and we would manufacture the transmission and they could do the marketing in their town okay so that way they didn't have to worry about the quality and all these kind of things they had a great product and they could market it and uh under their name and certified transmission oh so, wow so so they kind of i think the advantage there is people have local flair like exactly. you, being oh. from being from omaha so, you're not going to understand the deep south say that's correct so and it's so, like powered by intel or in your case it's powered by a certified transmission yep, yep, so they they would yep. have like a certified transmission distributor and their abc transmission that that is correct powered yeah. by anaquim which is yeah. something that we do with rent manager right. okay yeah. right. okay right. so you bring you bring the value really and the standardization, the standardization and right. the the real sophisticated nature right. to these small outfits that really just want to help their neighbors out with their transmission and they're not you know. necessarily all small we've got a lot of distributors okay. that are billion dollar companies oh, okay wow. so, okay, I mean, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 i mean right. but regardless okay yeah. so yes i i that's you know. funny that's, i mean that is actually a real similar model that we're taking for for this industry um okay so so when you're doing that i mean when you scale i mean you scaled fairly quickly i'm assuming did it happen uh, yeah i would say so to a point i mean i've never had any partners so truthfully cash was always the problem just right. like when i started out guess what that problem never goes away yeah. <laughs> seems like as you continue to grow okay you know but you know well in in distributorships or those shops they're they're cash intensive and especially at the front end i'm guessing you've got to oh, yeah. front load everything right. and you can only grow so fast right. without going into right. huge debt so this distributorship yeah so once i figured out the distributor that's the model we're gone to and i've kind of scrapped the franchising and we're not doing that okay and stuff so i mean just works a lot better like you Said, you have the local people there I don't have to find the people I don't have to find yeah. the locations all this we supply the product we work together we train them we help them they help us okay don't get me wrong it's a two-way street and it's a handshake agreement and basically oh, wow. you know if they don't like it that's fine don't buy it so anymore. when you're okay. scaling or vice versa when you're scaling like that um, what were some of the snags that you came across and how did you solve them 
Um, the first one was probably freight, how to get stuff I back and forth. Lead times. Okay? Because, you know, transmission weighs two, three hundred pounds. And then lead times. Obviously, if you had your own retail store, like when I started out, you can pull the transmission out of the car, rebuild it, and then put it back in or remanufacture it, okay, and stuff. Of course, Kansas City, we had our own trucks to go back and forth every day, okay. Well, as you got a distributor in Texas or Boston or Washington or California, you know, uh, now you got a whole new yeah. deal, okay, and stuff. And so, basically, as we've seen that that model would work, I had to set up uh, warehouses around the country that have inventory that we can do the exchange, okay, and stuff. Because so, it's always been an exchange. You take your old transmission out, uh, you get it back out on the road, gotcha. you get the oh, old one from gotcha. somebody else's car that was identical, remanufactured, new standards, I got mean, it. about like brand new, put in your car. Okay, no different than going buying a battery or a starter or an alternator if anyone's ever done that, okay, in the group. So that makes a lot of sense. That is interesting. So, so you're not putting the same transmission back in, just no. you're putting the no. right transmission that's We're been remodeled. putting the same right one and back in. And then you've in. got the Not core. a junkyard one, not a right. salvage yard one, okay, and stuff, I mean, or something that's kind of close or something or might just bolt in the actual real right one. And then you have a core for another part, and so you'll redo that. Manufacture to build it. Put it in inventory and stuff. Everybody wants speed this day and age. Okay, they don't want to. They can't wait two weeks to get their car repaired. Okay, mm -hmm. and stuff. You know, so with having that one on the shelf ready to go, and that's what made certified so different in the very beginning. Also, was other shops would take a week to get your car done. We could literally have you done in the same day because we had the transmission ready to go. That's so, awesome. So. Yep. What, as you're growing, how did you maintain culture? Because you were saying that you have the same employees sometimes from super long time ago. So oh, yeah. I'm, I'm imagining you have a, a very strong culture. Can you tell us about your culture and how you've maintained it through the growth? Well, culture is, of course, the lifeblood of any business, okay? As I said earlier, it's your people, okay? You know, I do believe in being 100% transparent to them, the good, the bad, the ugly, okay? Uh, I do believe in sharing numbers with them, okay? They know how profitable or how much money we make or lose or what it costs us, okay? Uh, and with that, uh, I believe they help respond back and respect that a lot, okay, and stuff. Uh, really, the biggest things that they can't do is I tell them at my company, you can't steal, you can't lie to me. That's automatic termination, okay? Good I won't, uh, I don't care how ugly it is, just tell me the truth, okay, mm -hmm. and stuff, all right? We're not gonna sugarcoat it, okay? We believe heavily in training. Anybody I do hire, uh, we probably spend anywhere $30,000, $40,000 on training on every individual. 30? Does, does, yeah, thirty or 40000 So, is uh, that training? If they don't work out, it, 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 we lost the money, but it is what it is. Yeah. But with that being said, I still do all the hiring, all of the interviewing, and I mean, I do the raw phone call. Okay? So you're talking about like the shop, the guys in the shop. I'm talking about even if it's, I hate to use the word janitor, but I'll use it in this term, only that everyone knows what it I is. I got you. Every right. single person that works for me, okay, I take the raw phone no call kidding. and meet so, with them. So when wow. you're hiring, obviously you have this down. What are the key things that you're looking for in a good hire? That's a secret ingredient. Oh, son of a <laughs> bitch. You know, obviously uh, 
the simple one, and truthfully, believe it or not, in my opinion, there's a lot of different terms you can say. Uh, you know, if you want to get more sophisticated, is that people will say motivation, uh, drive. Uh, uh, you know, you got to have a little ego, a little pride. Can okay? you tell all that all always oh, yeah. in an you interview? Because uh, everybody you knows you can tell that, that within a. 30 seconds you meet a person okay if a person has energy okay if you don't have energy nothing happens first of all okay mm, i mean your car don't yeah. move with no gas okay <laughs> if you're out of right. gas okay give me that red bull to get char charged up or whatever or something i mean no energy nothing's going to happen okay and stuff. so that's the number one yeah i mean integrity and honesty and all them things are much harder and take a lot longer but you can just tell if a person has energy around them okay you can tell it by how they walk, okay? Do they lollygag along or are they ambitious to get there, okay, and stuff. Um, you know, you don't have to be well-dressed. I don't mean in a suit and tie. I don't look for that, obviously. But, you know, you can tell a lot about a person by how they carry themselves, okay, and stuff, and how they just interact. Are they polite to the person up front when they came in the door? If they're not, and they're already a grouch, do you really think they're going to yeah, change? Probably right. not. Okay. You can tell so much in 30 seconds. You know, truthfully, if an interview goes for 15 minutes with somebody, sometimes it's just being kind. Okay. Because I could tell 30 seconds ago, yeah. I mean, in the first 30 seconds, you weren't the right person. Okay. But so, you just keep. Can I be misled once in a blue moon? But, you know, I don't mean say first impressions, but first impressions, you know, really. Everyone has it, okay? So, and so, in a sense, they really are all still working for you. Well, Your employees. That's true. There's no no ownership. There's no no stock sharing or any of that stuff. That is correct. So all still employees. Now we do incentivize for bonuses. We got very great pay structure at our place, okay, and stuff. But it, money can't be the only motivating factor either. But it does help. Not okay. the only currency. That's how I usually. Some, some people like right. the, the flexibility. Some people like extra money. Some people like right. uh, uh, being liking their work partner right. or whatever, right. which is all. And I and I also tell people. You have to do what you like, not be motivated for money. You say, well, doctor makes great money. Okay, well, but if I don't like being around blood and everything else yeah. or stuff, okay, that's probably not the right thing for me. Okay, and stuff. You know, if you can go after a couple things I tell people. What is your passion? And then what is your natural ability? And if you can line those two up, Okay, you got a win-win. Mm -hmm. I mean, that person's going to go far. And that's what I really look for in the interview. Okay, I mean, I start with the energy. Okay, mm -hmm. but then I want to find out why do you want to do whatever. And it doesn't matter. I mean, we have welders, we have machinists, we have, you know, we have parts people, we have shipping people. Okay, you know, and they're all different. Okay, and stuff. And if I try to take a guy that's a parts guy and try to make him a transmission guy, doesn't work. That's not his passion. I tell people all the time, you gotta go after your passion. What do you really wanna do? Hopefully your natural ability lines up with that because then it's a more plus, mm -hmm. okay? But it isn't a, 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 a game changer. You can overcome it with training and just keep driving if that's Discipline. your passion, okay? Discipline, okay, and stuff. Yeah. What's so, the, and I, sorry, what, what, um, so this transparency, there must, my gut instinct is that there must be some sort of a downside, like there jealousy. Well, Do people get is. frustrated? There You've is. obviously done well for yourself. You have aircraft, um, you have cars, and those are things that are obvious signs of, of success. Does anybody ever get in your grill about how you don't deserve that, or does it ever demotivate any of them um, and become a problem? 
Uh, I'm sure it has, okay? It hasn't really played out. Um, usually, there's going to be other factors that they're not going to be on the team, okay? Because they weren't a team player to start with, okay? Mm -hmm. They might have had it, and there's, I'm sure there's a lot of people that feel that way also, okay? Um, you know, when we talked about energy and different things, a couple of unique things that I do is if I hire somebody, we tell them, Okay, I'm very strict about attendance. Okay, we're not the company to come and be flexible. Okay, I'm going to tell you that right now up front. Okay, and stuff. Uh, second, you will work real hard, but you'll get rewarded real well also. Okay, and stuff. But um, in your first 90 days, if you have four tardies with me, you're automatically terminated. Don't care what the reason is. Don't care if you overslept, the alarm didn't go off, car didn't start, dog ate your shoe. You have four of them, you're out the door. Eight o'clock is your start time. 8.01 is tardy. Don't care. You have Four of them, you're out the door. You know, I'm going to tell you right now, you might think that's a crazy, crazy, crazy policy, okay? But I'm going to tell you right now, it's probably one of the most successful things I've ever done because it really gets rid of the, a lot of the stuff that you were just talking about, mm -hmm. okay, and stuff, all right? And, you know, I'll even go to one guy that I'll, I won't leave his name out, but he's still with me. He worked for a competitor here in town, and he was always late, always about 15, 20 minutes. So the boss... Damn. Uh, said, you know what? You never can get here at 8 o'clock. Let's just start you at 8.30. When do you think he showed up for work? 8.45. 8.45, yeah. 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 Well, things weren't working out real well over there for him. And, and so he came over to my place. I said, okay, I know who you are. And I said, you're a great guy, blah, blah, blah. But you got a reputation of being late. And I said, you won't last till day four at my place. <laughs> 15 years later, he's still here, never been late. So, so you, you just you you know established what? Some of it is you got to set the standard. They got to understand what's going to happen, the consequence, not zap them, but you tell people up front, you come to this edge, you're going to fall on the floor or whatever the edge is if you go past that, okay? If people understand a lot of times what is going to happen to them, I do believe most people probably won't let that happen to them. They might take you to the edge. Okay, but, but they're they, not going over it. Okay? Everybody can see down and everyone's got... Uh, and the next thing is you can't, you can't implement it half-assed, half okay? Because, oh, well, this is my right-hand guy. No, or he's more important than, again, I hate using the word janitor, but I'll say janitor. No, it has to be 100% equal. And we have no rules between... Uh, I hate using the word employee. I use team. I, they're all team members, okay? We don't have employees and management. We all have team members, okay? Yeah. Everyone's equal. There's not a different set of rules for managers than there is for regular employees. And I don't use either one of those words, but I use them for what right, we're right, talking right. about yeah. that the audience can understand. We don't have us and them. We're a team, okay? And, and so that's all, how you all the parts are lubricated just like in the transmission. 100%. Like if one of them's breaking down inside the transmission, the different you've got cogs a help show the flaws and they're not part of the team. So wait, what did you just say? The different flaws? No, wait, what? <laughs> What is that one? I mean, well, okay, we gotta listen to that. The different cogs show the flaws. Okay, they do. Okay, I'm talking with somebody who has uh, come from humble beginnings, and really, honestly, you couldn't get much more successful. And I mean that in the professional way, but also uh, the personal way and the familial way. So, um, anyway, Gwen, you wanted to ask? Yeah, I just wanted to ask. Uh, well, all entrepreneurs make a big boneheaded move at some point. What would you say your boneheaded move was? 
Wow. I've, I, you know, I've made lots of mistakes, I'll say, along the way. Yeah. One thing I'll say is I feel I've learned from them real quickly, okay, that I try not to make the same mistake, like most people, okay, but some people seem to be a little more stubborn than others, it seems like, okay, but uh, um, I hate saying this, but I will tell you, I think in the beginning when I started out, when I was really critical and almost took me out two or three times when I was just a small guy, one shop, everything, I trusted people that didn't know anything about what I was trying to do or where I wanted to go and put too much stock into it. And so I didn't do what I knew I should have done in my heart and my soul and my gut. Okay. All that. And so, you know, there's a lot of naysayers. Okay. That you can't do that. Oh, that won't for work, sure. Okay. And I'm going to just say in the beginning, I tried to listen to all those and I wouldn't have made it. Okay, guaranteed. Once I learned to kind of turn that off, mm. I mean, to me, that was huge. Okay. And I, is that one thing? I think it is. Okay. You got to turn off all the clutter, all the, mm. all the stuff out there that's distracting you. Okay. And once, if it's your passion, you understand it, you understand what you're doing, what the market really is, all them kind of things then the sky's the limit, okay? And then go for it. So that that was your passion. Like you you had envisioned a much larger a much larger scaled operation and what if you would have taken their advice, would it have kept you more status quo, more the local shop, um, maybe have two in the same market? Is that is that the sort of I wouldn't of... probably even have two. Okay? Oh, okay. So I mean, this, and, and and that wasn't my goal when I was 19. My goal was to be kind of like my instructor get my own shop, right. maybe a 5,000 square foot place, five, six guys, you know, and work on cars and make a living. Okay. When was so. it that you made the shift to, no, 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 we're going to make this big? Um, yeah, that's what I want to know. You know, truthfully, I'll have to say um, when I seen that, I hate to say a transmission could turn into a commodity, but you can turn it into a commodity. And I've kind of realized that right away when I started seeing we can rebuild it and separate it. But I, again, like my instructor, that was so awesome for me. Uh, the one attorney that was a personal friend, uh, when he was trying to push me into franchising to be bigger mm -hmm. than what I could ever dream of, okay, or something, okay. And he's seen the potential to do it, so he helped me. In some ways, everyone else was all negative and 100%, and so, you know, that's what got me to start yeah. my second store because of him, okay, and the third store. So he helped so you, you started, set the vision. Yeah, he you, helped develop the vision, but you got to realize, again, I wasn't exposed to a lot of stuff, okay. I mean, I was... 19 when I started. We're talking age 21 when I opened my second store, okay, and stuff. And so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he helped develop it because I really wasn't exposed to businesses or uh, how to do things, okay? Right. And, 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 and no or, formal education. No formal education. Uh, didn't like to read. Still don't really like to read, okay, <laughs> you know. But I mean, you know, so you're limited in what you're going to learn, okay, and what you know, okay, and stuff. And so those are probably my biggest mistakes okay i would say it also sounds like you have a pretty good read on yourself did you spend a lot of time like just knowing who you were and what your passions were so that you could align it with what you were doing were you into mindfulness back then no, i was not, not into mindfulness to do that i was actually fortunate that it happened i would say more automatically okay not because i'm in the automatic transmission business but i mean <laughs> but seriously um 
you know, I would say I was fortunate that the two lined up, okay, and stuff more so than, no, I wasn't really mindful of it. I became mindful as we started becoming more successful. Okay? So, and, and things working. And I guess, so what is it, uh, what, was there a point when you felt comfortable being wealthy? Because, I mean, especially coming up from uh, the more meager end of the social spectrum, I think, and up to, to the level where you are, do, is, do you carry with a little guilt? Is anything holding you back a little bit? And then you're just kind of like, ah, screw it, I'm, I'm, I'm rich. I don't, I don't I, I, first of all, I do believe in taking care of our people and helping the, our communities, okay? So uh, obviously the more a business or a person can have, the more help you can do. So I don't right. feel that way, okay? I've never felt that way in screwing other people. If anything, mm -hmm. I wanna take care of all my people 100% the best that's possible, okay? And I think we do a pretty good job at that, okay? Again, like I said early in, this, in the movie or the, 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 the statement earlier in the show, uh, People is all we have, okay, and stuff. Without them, we couldn't do anything, okay? And so I want to take care of them. So I share a lot, okay? The good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were making fun of this earlier. Like, if you're with Peter and you have a booger, <laughs> you won't have a booger very long unless you want it there because it'll let you know. I didn't say that. I said if you got bad breath. You got bad breath. I put the booger. I probably booger. you got a booger too to be polite. I wish or more people would. Wouldn't that be better if more so people were like that? A last question just because uh, we're running out of time, but what mistakes do you see most often other business owners make? Uh, scared to death to move forward because, again, kind of what I was trying to allude to, people saying, no, you can't do that. And if I believe, as long as it's legal, as long <laughs> as you want to do it, that you can make it done. I mean, you, you, it, you know, the difference between a dream and a goal is you got to have a plan. Once you start working that plan. But the next thing is adjust your plan. When things are going a little awry, you got to adjust the plan. I've seen too many people try to stay on the same plan, mm -hmm. never adjust, and so determined, oh, I'm going to make it work. No, you got to adjust, okay? I tell a lot of people, I'm like the Patriot Missile. It goes back to the first Gulf War, okay? Not getting political or anything, okay? But uh, the, say the Patriot Missile was always off course, but when it hit, came time to hit the target, it hit the target. That's what I tell people I am. I'm constantly off, off target, but I'm constantly adjusting and adapting okay on stuff and once you do that i do believe you'll be successful once you realize that trying to say i'm staying on this highway no matter what i don't think is the right answer so that contrasted with the scud missile of iraq when that well, thing that thing would go up like this and land anywhere <laughs> <laughs> the iraqi <laughs> missile sucked ass uh, we came up with the patriot we did yeah. ours was right yeah ours okay. was good yours, <laughs> yours, yours that was the right one right. um okay one quick question what's your favorite car in your collection Oh, that's a tough one. Okay, it's I like gotta say my 1970 Formula 400 Firebird. Like I said from the beginning of the show, that one is what started it all. You take that one out, okay, then you want, uh, I collect late 60s, early 70s, and then all the new muscle. The new cars are awesome. I GT. mean, without itself and everything, yeah, the Ford GT, that one would have to be probably number one. If you go with the old cars, I'm a super bird guy. I like the big wing on it, okay? Is that right? Pointy nose, okay, so those are my two favorites. All right, all right, so I've loved this. I've enjoyed this. Thanks a million Thank you so much, for coming Peter. in. I am Jeremy Aspen. This is Gwen Aspen. We are the coast of Bootstrap. We'll see you next week.
This has been Bootstrappers, a unique presentation designed to help you better understand how the world turns. Contact Gwen or Jeremy at posts at bootstrappers.club or visit our website, anaquim.net. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, and our YouTube channel. Thank you and join us next time for Bootstrappers.